well, joining us apres ski, as it were, uh, our own our own globe trotting half of the Elwood City Limits podcast, Lucas Mancini, or, may, or maybe it's just uh, maybe it's just province trotting from uh, what I gathered from your Instagram feed. Uh, actually, bro, I was in the same province. Doesn't make the powder any less nar nar, though. Um, as you can see, um, you know, uh, basically, I was born on the mountain. I live for the mountain, and uh, yeah, that's where I spent my weekend. Is at my old homestead, um, just shredding that nar powder uh, all all long weekend long. Uh, that's how I spent my heritage day, bruh is uh just having a really key heritage day uh uh shredding shredding powder on the mountain yeah so it's, 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 pretty, it's so pretty no, key bro no bunny hills for you my dude it's no, all it's all no, no. <laughs> it's funny man no 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 see the bunny hills not very nar nar as you can tell so uh yeah just a quadruple black diamond all day but that's uh that's how we do <laughs> well it seems that lucas has adopted an entirely new personality and voice as well maybe maybe uh maybe something maybe has helped that along a little bit of a little bit of smoke ingestion perhaps as we uh as we just celebrated a bit of a long weekend here in nova scotia no, yes uh actually no i spent quite a bit of time on the buddy hill i'd never been skiing before yeah tell um, me about tell me about it tell us about it you're on elwood city limits uh how was your first time skiing I will say this, you know, I was trying to, you know, long-time listeners will remember that this past summer I tried to learn a skateboard. Yes. Um, and if I was to compare the two, because I think they're both, you know, uh, known as extreme sports to a certain extent, um, I would say that uh, skiing was way easier to learn how to do. Interesting. Uh, skateboard uh, took me weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months to even do the most basic of basic things, and I still haven't quite gotten the 100% hang of it. Um, and I'm not saying I got the hang of skiing, that's for sure, but I, I, I think I basically figured out how to do the basic go down the mountain, um, get off the bunny hill in like a day. So um, a little bit more maybe, I don't know if intuitive is the right word, but uh, a tad easier to learn, I would say. All right. Well, hey, wouldn't you know it? Kids are natural. Well, we're all about the bunny hills, the aardvark hills, and all kinds of animal hills. On Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast, that's Will Young. And uh, uh, across the great province of Nova Scotia, you may one day, uh, be it Monroe Day or perhaps uh, the uh, March break or summer vacation, or at some point you may run into Lucas Mancini. That's right. We we've had many days off with Monroe Day a couple weeks ago, and and then now it's it was Heritage Day this week, um, which is like a regional holiday here in Nova Scotia. Um, but yes, we're back to the to the grind. Um, now there's another big holiday coming up this week, Will. Before we get into the episode, and and do you remember what it is? Okay, so coming up this week, we're recording on a Tuesday. Yeah, we're past we're past Saint we're past Saint Valentine's Day, uh, so it's not that one. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. is hmm. okay. Um, this okay. This is not this is not an assertion of my values here. I'm going to take a stab mm-hmm. in the dark. Mm-hmm. Is it the release of the Cruella trailer tomorrow? Wow. Well, this is your priorities are all out of whack. I know, it's Lucas right? CD Day on <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> Oh my god! It's my birthday. I know it doesn't really stack up me. to uh, Ebba Stone oh, returning no. to the silver screen what in t- the Disney property Cruella. What a terrible friend I am! But, oh my uh, god! Uh, it is my birthday on Thursday. It is Aquarius season. I um, 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. I'm sorry. I, th- um, I, I thought listen. you were trying to trick me. I thought it was like Monster Hunter or Pokemon or something dumb. But by the it's way, just like- by the way, by the way, Will, by the way, uh, Monster Hunter uh, Empire Theaters are open again, or rather Cineplex is open again. So you better be booking your Monster Hunter tickets. They don't have uh, that friend, in theaters, do my- they? Oh, yes, they do. And my friend found a download of it, though. So I will not be going to the theater as much as I want to. It's, it's still a little bit dicey with the coronavirus. No kidding. Uh, so I am uh, going to be watching from home. So uh, clock's ticking on the <sighs> old Monster Hunter. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, okay. We, we Okay. So I guess, I guess we have to... Um, we have to coordinate this in some in some way or another. I just figured I could stop talking about it and uh, it would just go away. Oh, my God. Monster Hunter's playing in Halifax. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is the worst. I forgot your birthday and now Monster Hunter is like, playing I, in Halifax. It's really a worst of both worlds. Imagine if, oh like, for God. instance, I don't know how it works in other places, but here, if someone tests positive for coronavirus, you know, there's there's like a press release basically. And it's like, oh, you know, if, if you were in these locations that this person person was in you know get yourself tested for coronavirus imagine the embarrassment uh if you had to get a coronavirus test because it was like yeah you went to this matinee showing of a monster hunter <laughs> paul ws anderson's monster hunter thank mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. thank Starring you the- amazing Mila Jovovich thank you so much for letting us all know that Lucas Mancini day is upon us I will have to uh, schedule the social media posts as such and thankfully I didn't forget I didn't have to have Facebook remind me so uh, by the time you hear this episode we will be post Lucas Mancini day but please feel free to send him a birthday shout outs via Twitter or even just via the uh, the podcast social media and I will pass them along to the birthday boy any big plan all I want for my birthday is for everyone to subscribe to the Elwood City Limits Patreon. <laughs> hey, it's not a, it's not a, that money does go to him. Uh, any big plans for LMD 2021? We're hoping to go to an Airbnb on the Friday, uh, having uh, a 10 people together, socially distanced, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's looking like there's going to be snow. So we're, we're fingers crossed. Um, that That's basically, that's the, the extent of the plans, though. Look at you, Mr. Ten Friends over here. Must be nice having people that love you. That was a strict list, Will. We had to cut people left and right. It was fairly savage. Man, including me. I don't recall being invited to the Airbnb. (laughs) Listen, I I, I told you it was like Sophie's Choice. I know. I look. If I'm not top ten, then I'd better at least be draft considerations at eleven or something. Anyway, let me be. Let me be the first to wish you a happy um, Lucas Mancini Day week, and I will wish you a proper birthday greeting on the day. But um, I hope it's a good one, and I certainly hope you guys are able to have fun in a socially distanced kind of way. Mm-hmm. Another way you can have fun in a socially distanced kind of way is by emailing the podcast, and we can talk about your email on the air. That's uh, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. We got a couple of emails this week. Our first one comes from a one time uh, co host of the show, Anna Mansager, who has been having quite the adventures in quarantine uh, over the past year. Um, Anna's a good follow on Twitter. So Anna says two things I wanted to share with you guys. First, regarding Will's question a few episodes back about whether you can be held back in kindergarten for not being emotionally ready. The answer is yes, because something similar happened to me. Of course, this happened in the early 1990s, so I'm not sure if it's different now. But when I was in preschool going into kindergarten, my teachers were worried that I might not be emotionally ready for the next step because I was sensitive and cried a lot. They eventually came to a solution with my mom where I would go to preschool in the morning, then bus to an afternoon 
in kindergarten for one or two hours in the afternoon, sort of like a trial run of kindergarten. And then I was enrolled into a regular all day kindergarten the next year. So there is some truth to this uh, phenomenon that we talked about. The other thing I wanted to share with you was that as a barista in L.A., I got to serve Matt Damon once, but he was getting ready for a 6 a.m. flight, so he was a little sleepy, mostly dozing off with a hat pulled down over his face while his wife ordered the coffees for their trip. It never occurred to me to ask about the Arthur episode, but also I didn't want to bother him. They still left a big tip, though. So Matt Damon... Sounds like that, a, that, that would cool actually guy. be pretty, pretty incredible, though, to, to like Matt Damon's used to people being like, hey, it's it's Jason Bourne. Hey, it's the evil side. It's 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 the Martian. It's the it's the evil scientist from Interstellar. Uh, and then we get like some <laughs> random good barista. Being, yeah, it's good. There's good will hunting over there. And then you get some random barista being like, I loved you on Arthur. <laughs> I guarantee you that Matt Damon has no recollection no of, uh, recording the voice work for that Arthur episode. <laughs> Absolutely not. But that's cool, Anna. Thank you for sharing that with us. We got a quick one here from Kelsey, who has a question slash theory. Now that Mr. Ratburn is out and is in out of the closet and married, do you think he was always meant to be gay or at least bisexual? Also, do you think they ever had a plan for him to eventually come out or keep him closeted? So we mentioned in the last episode, Dancing Fools, we had a little bit of Mr. Ratburn dancing with Miss Turner. And there was not really any talk at all or mention of Mr. Ratburn's sexuality before the episode a few years ago, I guess a couple of years ago, uh, where he was married to Patrick and came out as gay. So, I mean, I think in my opinion, I imagine they probably just didn't think about it. Especially for like yeah. a kids show, especially, and we're talking about a kids show that existed from the mid '90s to now, and so I think that for a very long time there was not a concern about representation of different sexualities than there are now, which I think is I think it's good that we have that now. But I feel like, especially as a PBS kids program, the creators and the writers and the directors of the show probably didn't have the I just I'm I would just think they probably didn't think about it. Well I I think it's just one of those things where I, I have my doubts that this would have been a seed that was in the original kind of Arthur lore Bible all the way back in the 90s and they were like okay finally this what season did did the wedding even take place in like season 17 or something oh, t- 20 something it's like one yeah, of the more recent seasons and then and then you know it's like Game of Thrones we have this huge multi-year plan and then this this scene will be revealed I bet it's more likely that you know Mr. Rappard's character and much like many of the characters of, of a show like this where they kind of start out as an archetype mr rapper is kind of the uh strict teacher um and then as the show goes on and their need for new storylines and new perspectives and more depth to be added to keep things interesting interesting um as that's needed you know more things are added to these characters to make them a little bit more two-dimensional so um a microcosm of this is like binky right like i don't think binky was always intended to be the binky we know and love today where he's like this dancer and he lives this double life and, and all this stuff i think originally binky was supposed to be kind of the dumb bully student and then they just kept adding stuff and adding stuff and adding stuff so i think mr rapper is the same way where the original character and and we really don't see this much of mr rapper uh like this anymore but in the first two or three seasons mr rapper is this eccentric kind of really strict 
teacher. Yes. Um, and now it's a little bit different. Um, we actually haven't had a Mr. Rapper an episode in a while, but, um, so I think it's much more that is the case in that it was something for the better, in my opinion, that they added on way later on. But I doubt that that was kind of this, this idea, um, in the early beginnings of the show. No, I agree. I I watched a very interesting video essay on YouTube recently, and it's about the video game Phantasmagoria 2, A Puzzle of Flesh. But there is a there is a large portion of the video dedicated to because Phantasmagoria 2 was um, a an adventure game in the 90s that featured a bisexual protagonist. And so a lot of the video was dedicated to talking about what the landscape was like for gay representation, LGBTQ plus representation in mm-hmm. the 1990s. And it's pretty shocking. Like it's, it's like we, the, we, we got queer as folk. We got uh, 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 what was Will and Grace in the 90s? Well, um, yeah, kind of. There, but, was, there was that gay guy on the real world who had AIDS and, the, you know, that was pretty revolutionary for the time. But, um, but, but a lot. But, but it's only a handful of examples. But yeah. And like without getting into specifics, I would actually really recommend the uh, the, the essay to anybody who would want to watch it. It's like. Some of the stuff, like some of the ways that gay, that being gay or having gay characters is approached is it's like I, I compared it on Twitter to like just like a splash of water in the face. It's like shocking how we used to talk about and represent and exist around gay people and it's changed so much for the better and Arthur is something that started in the 90s uh thankfully it was never a perpetrator but it was also like I can't see I can understand why I'm sure the writers saw no incentive to even bring sexuality into it and I also conversely see not the incentive but well incentive is maybe a word to use but the reasoning for why you would want to have one of the characters be explicitly LGBTQ plus in Mr. Ratburn, uh, in the times we live in now. And I do think it is important. So the context I think is important to have with that. Our final email comes with, from Martin, who is wondering if there's any media that you guys know is dumb without any debate over the quality of its inaneness. You know that no dissection or objective hot take can detract from how bad it is, but you watch anyway. You know it's bad for you, but you watch it anyway because it gives you some kind of reprieve, such as in the Rat Who Came to Dinner episode where Arthur was watching Dunst Patrol and his philosophy was, after a hard day at school, it's nice to sit back, watch some dumb guys, and no, I won't have to worry about Mr. Ratburn all weekend. For me, it's watching the opening of the terrible 90s comedy called The Pest. It just randomly pops into my head from time to time, and even at my worst, it still makes me laugh how terrible it is. Do you guys have anything like that? Lucas, it sounds like you do. I think we both have one in common, which is uh, uh, WWE. Professional wrestling, uh, yes. <laughs> that is uh, that is probably the most awful, stupid television you could possibly subject yourself to. Insulting, yet, too. I, 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 oh, insulting. Um, I, I can think of a few uh, fictional programs with more contempt for their more contempt and, and, and thinking less of their audience or expecting less of their audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet we I continue to have a passing interest. And I know you do uh, yes, to this day. Uh, so, yeah, I think that might be the perfect example. Everything else I like is incredibly intelligent and smart. And even <laughs> if it appears dumb, I can intellectualize it uh, uh, regardless. But uh, not. Not, re- not wrestling. That is some stupid stuff that I happen to love. 
Um, there's a channel on YouTube that has been that is like you know the ba- the Bandai the side of the company Bandai that does Tokusatsu shows. So I've talked on you know on the Discord before. I've done a couple of my um, the old like remember the old Patreon episodes where we would talk about what we were watching that week, and I talked about Common Rider a lot. And so I, I want to be careful here. I th- you know I when I say Common Rider is dumb, what I mean is is that Common Rider is a show for children. Like it is a children's show, much like Arthur is a show for children. But I still get a lot of I still get a lot of fun. I'm not pretending that this is like, you know, some amazing adult level storylines. And it also goes with wrestling, too. It's like I'm not pretending that this is smart, but I'm just having fun with it. So I hope, Martin, I hope that that's kind of close to what you were thinking of. I also kind of went to that immediately as well. Well, thank you, everybody, for your emails. Again, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. And we also want to give a big shout out as well to our patrons. Our patrons are people who kick us a couple of bucks every month and as such get access to a bunch of different content. Over at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits, we have a lot of people who like to hear us and we like to hear from them and give them a little shout out here on the podcast as well. So I also want to extend warmest welcome to Kirsten who is uh, our newest patron. But we also have some lovely people like EJ Acra, who's a great follow on Twitter. We have Lion Dog ZXA. If you want to check out Lion Dog ZXA's uh, YouTube poop, you can see it in our Discord. I had a lot of good time watching that. We have Lily W and Yoshi, Greg Hagai, Melissa Avales, Andrew Power, Shelby Eden Dawkins Law. We have Matt and Pretty Cool Stairs, Rachel Pearson, CRS, Aaron DeFilippo, and William, and even more than that. Thank you, everybody. We really appreciate your support, and they just got to hear our latest episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast on Word Girl, which was a lot of fun to talk about. So if that sounds good to you, we have a lot of episodes of For the Kids, and there's going to be even more coming soon, including in a week's time, and we'll talk about that near the end of the show. So there's a lot that you can draw from there. But we are here to talk about Arthur. It's time... Well, we kind of we usually end up, unfortunately, being on a different side of Arthur season wise. So it's the Halloween episode, Hick or Treat. So, and, yeah, and it's not about um, Halloween in rural areas, which is what I almost <laughs> first assumed when I read the title. That's H.I.C. or Treat, uh, because throughout this whole episode, D.W. has the hiccups again. Mm. This is actually, it took me a little while to figure it out. I was like, DW having the hiccups. Have we done that before? Yeah, it was in the episode where Arthur played the wrong note on the piano. The subplot was that DW had the hiccups for that whole thing. And remember that dream sequence where Arthur was like penniless on the streets and DW was a millionaire, a gazillionaire for being the hiccup hiccup kid? Yes, the hiccup kid. Oh my goodness, that must have been an early, early episode. Now, I had forgotten about that, Will. How does she get rid of the hiccups that time? So Grandma Thora gives her a spoonful of peanut butter. And I will say, and I'm sure we talked about it at the time, this is like a season two era episode. Um, Peanut butter for me is a go-to hiccup cure. Every time, every time. Works like magic. It's something I need to keep in mind, Will. Because I've had, much like DW in this episode, a lifelong struggle with the hiccups. I don't know what happens, but if I drink too many blue lobsters or too many white claw, (laughs) I get the hiccups and I literally cannot get rid of them. I'll be doing my panic Googling where I look up every single solution. Francine mentions one of them in this episode, you know, drinking the water upside down. I try that. Doesn't work. Um, 
the the spoonful of sugar doesn't work. Uh, uh, scaring yourself doesn't work. Uh, in breaths only doesn't work. Literally, the only thing that I can do to work, and this is probably definitely not healthy for me, is to like try and hold my breath to the point where I see like darkness on the edges of my vision, and I'm about Ooh. to pass out, and I completely reset my breathing, and then that will sometimes work, but sometimes it doesn't work. I have a rough go with the hiccups, but I'm gonna keep this peanut butter trick in mind. I don't know if I've tried the peanut butter strategy yet it works like a charm for me it's just that we don't keep peanut butter in the house so it's not always around when i need it mm. um yeah but that is, that's my go-to it's 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 tough for my wife she hates peanut butter so mm, out of luck in that case so arthur is talking about what he feels halloween is all about because he's yeah he's really gatekeeping halloween yeah, here i mean especially after that that guy talking about anime on twitter this week it's just like if you hadn't had these 12 halloween costumes then you're not a real halloween fan he's <laughs> Really, he's he, I said he's doing some boy explaining about Halloween is supposed to be a scary holiday. You're not supposed to dress up as things that aren't scary. You're supposed to dress up as like monsters and ghouls and whatnot. And uh, the point is to try and scare people uh, for their treats. So I don't know. Um, Arthur's the we after the cold open, we get into what Arthur's costume is. But here he's kind of like he's dressed up in this big green coat and he's also got the face mask on and i thought I that maybe uh, i thought that maybe he was going as the year 2020 for halloween i i was i i had the exact same thought where i was like arthur is clairvoyant he tried to warn us <laughs> it's it's really the face mask too but it's also just like yeah i dressed that poorly i actually kind of like ended up accidentally intimidating somebody i was just kind of like waiting in the hallway for somebody to pass me and then and they just kind of gave me a look like Ugh. and like they were just really uh, nervous around me. And I'm like, oh, right. I'm wearing all of my sweats and I have my face mask on and I look like a giant hulking weirdo as I go out to get my wife's Starbucks order. So Arthur kind of looks like with his current getup, like because Arthur always kind of dresses a little men's wary anyway. But with his <laughs> yeah. big green coat and the face mask, he looks like one of those fake Aritzia doctors. I don't know if you've been at the ball lately or been to an Aritzia lately. I don't know what um, that I don't know what that is. Aritzia is like it's like a, a, a basically like a clothing. It's like a store from a franchise from Vancouver that okay. makes like women's clothing, like expensive women's clothes. Um, and they always have stores and malls. And anyway, if you go to the Halifax shopping center and you go to the Aritzia, there's like a fake doctor standing in front of the Aritzia in like an Aritzia lab coat to like I, I don't know what they do. I don't know if they give you like a, they take your temperature before you could get into the Aritzia, but it ain't no real doctor. Um, but he's wearing like a lab coat, like like he is a doctor. Anyway, um, uh, the, Arthur's get up here. He looks like one of the fake Aritzia doctors guarding the Aritzia. Well, I'm I'm sorry that this is the first I've ever heard of it. So I'll have to I'll have to kind of look this up, but I'll, I'll take I'll take your word for it here. So, yeah, we're this is Halloween time. By the way, I noticed something weird in the title card. I noticed that GW's dress is colored peach. And I'm not sure if it was just the video file that we were watching, but it was like when you notice that somebody's primary color uh, outfit is not the color that you're used to seeing, especially after we've watched 11 seasons of Arthur. It's like, oh, that's that's that shouldn't be. Now, now I'm watching it again, too. And Arthur's pants are beige. I wonder if it might just be like whatever video that they recorded this off of. The transfer we got is is like it recorded off of TV. So it's probably somebody's mm. video recording. I, uh, I, I've been uh, struggling with color uh, after the other day because on my skiing adventure, I did a little too much staring in 
into the sun Ooh. with my ski goggles Ooh. on and messed up all my rods and cones. On the drive home, everybody's headlights looked green to me. Um, and when there was a red light, they looked yellow. Oh, it's that's that's an eye sunburn. Those are <laughs> potentially the worst kinds. They feel awful and you just can't see. It's really a hazard. You got to make sure to have your sunglasses on when you're cutting those peaks and shredding those mm -hmm. those those, Shred those, those tips or whatever. Yeah, those narnar -nar tips for sure. For sure. So we get a look at the kids Halloween costumes. They've all thankfully drawn them out and we get to see them later. So Arthur is is Frankentist which is a, a cross between Frankenstein's monster and a dentist. I did not think he said Frankentist at first. I thought mm, he said something I, I heard something a very else. similar, you know, uh, yeah. maybe for, perhaps Arthur is, is working on his spec script for a sequel to a famous Grindhouse movie uh, about a Franken of another sort. Yes. Because um, what we misheard that to be would be a good name for the sequel. But uh, alas, no, he was talking about Frankentist. Um, Francine a, is going as as a prom queen, which she says when she goes as the prom queen, it'll be scary. Uh, Buster is going as Candy Boy, and <laughs> Brain has a costume where he is going as the 14th century. The, which, the 14th century got a laugh out of me. Um, I mean, the 14th century. I, honestly, if I'm honestly rating how scary each one of these things would be, I mean, Frankentist would be pretty bad because I don't really trust um, you know someone who's uh, made from a bunch of different people's body parts and their nervous system's been reconstructed uh, via kind of dark occult magic or whatever, or or d dark science. Uh, I don't really trust them to have the steady hands to operate on me uh, or do dental work on me, so that's pretty scary, I guess. Candy Boy's hilarious because it's just Art Buster being angry because he can't get any candy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Brain takes it away with this one being the 14th century. I think he lists uh, a couple of different reasons why um, the 14th century would not be – would be pretty scary. First and foremost, no science. That really scares Jay. Yeah, it's uh, like no, no science. Here's a castle with, like, the plague in it or something. And my favorite line, here's a village where false beliefs are taking hold. <laughs> <laughs> some bloodborne stuff right there so i thought that was good dw has the hiccups back at home and every and arthur and really everybody are trying to get her to stop even though that's really not how hiccups work and she briefly talks about you know arthur s shares her shares with her the idea of the frankentist and dw is like that's not scary and starts listing off a couple things that she finds scary including a brown banana which to me is very dreadful indeed. That's kind of that's something that I work my entire week to make sure I don't get a brown banana. That unless you you put it in your morning. freezer to make banana bread, will. But then that but then that'll freeze. Yeah, well, yeah, that freeze. Then that makes it spoil super fast. I don't want them to spoil. Um, but, but if they do, that's your that's your you know, that's pulling the uh, ejector seat on that banana. If the banana's too far gone, throw that sucker in the freezer, and then you can you know leave it there for years until you get the inclination to make banana bread. Well, I do like banana bread. Uh, so mom suggested <laughs> we've, DW we've, we've defaced your fear. Well, we've we've solved it. Um, uh, mom, yeah. su mom suggested DW that she try holding her breath. So she holds her breath when she like while well, she takes a bite of like a piece of toast or something. And there's this awful noise that she makes when she holds her breath. It doesn't sound like anything that comes out of a human. It sounded like the kind of static I used to get from my computer speakers when I lived at home, like when you had to have speakers plugged into your computer in order to have sound. It was just 
terrible. It was like this gritty g- grit, like I don't know, just just this gritty, crunchy noise. And then she uh, accidentally spits her toast onto Arthur, who doesn't even bother to wipe off the crumbs when he goes to the library. Um, she had a couple of fears she listed, and it's a kind of a through line through this episode as as they're trying to get rid of DW's hiccups is to kind of make her face these various fears. Mm-hmm. Um, some good callbacks, uh, one of her fears being an octopus, um, which is oh, a, yeah. a callback to early, early Arthur of her being scared of, you know, Buster's swimming cap, uh, thinking it was an octopus. Yeah, I didn't even um, put that together, but yeah, we had a whole episode about that. About her being scared of ocu- uh, octopi. Um, what were some of the other fears? Oh, Dark Bunny, which I, again is kind of another episode callback in a so, way. So this this is a little bit later uh, when DW is talking about like the fears that could potentially make her like scare away her hiccups. Oh, so, right. Yes, yes, yes. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. But you're but you're right. We did we did start start those. Um, there's just a brief scene here where Arthur is commiserating with his friends. This is how he gets the idea to ask DW about her fears. Uh, Francine says she has never had the hiccups in her life. I call BS. No way. Eight year old kid. You're definitely sucking in too much air. You're definitely taking down big gulps. You have got Mm. to have had hiccups at some point. And Francine, you know, that's what makes her such a, uh, uh, exceptional athlete is her breath control apparently i guess so um, like speaking I just... speaking of athletics and speaking of pro wrestling which we were talking about earlier um arthur takes an incredible bump in this <laughs> next scene the flip bump yes um he does a complete uh overhead flip uh when he accidentally steps on dw's uh pencils as he's trying to scare her it's not very good at it uh yeah so this is where dw kind of goes over her fears she talks about she's scared of dark bunny as we said octopuses octopi she's scared of gingerbread men because she's afraid that you know they're actual people and she doesn't want to eat them Mm. and and she's also scared of losing uni her unicorn specifically losing her to the tibbles because she's afraid of what they would do i Uh, love the uh inclusion of the gingerbread men one because i think that's a very realistic yeah kind of toddler fear i remember when and i might have told this story on the pod before but when i was really young one birthday party my parents got me like this frog pinata and i like cried and like begged everybody not to beat it up because i felt bad that's Um, cute and so i i but i can totally see like this is like my little sister would do stuff like this where it's like when she has a chocolate buddy she like doesn't want to eat it because it looks Mm -hmm. like a bunny like it's too cute so i can i can see uh uh, uh, it makes perfect sense to me that DW would be scared to uh, do harm upon these gingerbread men. Very, very relatable from a child's point of view. Um, and <laughs> so Arthur, Arthur hears all this and he's just like, why can't you be scared of normal stuff? DW just shrugs. I thought that was funny. So they're trying to, they're trying to, they're going to enact all of these things to try and scare the hiccups away from DW. Um, Arthur devises a scenario where he like tosses an octopus into the bath with her, but it's like, a, like it's like a ball of yarn with like tape, uh, like tape legs across attached or something like that. It's just like a real chintzy uh, octopus. They try watching uh, Dark Bunny. We also get a line here that, you know, we kind of talked a couple of episodes about like DW lore. Uh, Arthur offhandedly mentions like, do you want your blankie while you watch Dark Bunny? And she says, no, my blankie bit the dust a long time ago. So there's no more blankie after all that fuss about getting blankie back. That whole episode about getting her blankie back. No more blankie. She's outgrown it. Maybe she's just 
maybe it's just gotten too ripped up and she was okay with getting rid of it. It's just like, wow, end of an era. It's R.I.P. Blanky, R.I.P. Spanky. Um, these DW companions, they can keep dropping like flies. Snoo- Snooter? Uh, she, she doesn't <laughs> doesn't look after Snooter anymore? Yeah, just a capricious. If Especially if your name's Anki in DW's presence. If you got an Anki in your name, uh, it might not be it might not be so good. Um, they're watching an episode of Dark Bunny, and there's a line of dialogue where, so we are to understand the shorthand is that Dark Bunny is meant to be the Batman or at least I think it is to Bionic Bunny Superman and the way that Dark Bunny is animated it's similar to the the 1990s Batman cartoon but there's a thing here about like Dark Bunny has some line where he's like like I like I'm trying to give up my evil ways but it's so difficult and I'm like so is Dark Bunny supposed to be like a bad guy is he supposed to be like an anti-hero or something oh you mean like like for instance like similar to todd mcfarland spawn or something interesting you could you could, you could say that yeah. they, they both have a big cape i don't know I, I i guess you know bad is relative will if if some might say that uh batman going around uh breaking people's femurs for trying to buy like an eighth of weed or something is bad <laughs> in a way sure um, but i don't think batman ever like <laughs> wrestled with the morality of what he's doing so you know, Ooh. it's it just kind of. Sorry to say, Dark Body has even more depth. I I might go so far as to say yes. Yeah, why not? Fight me. I don't know. Um, so, but it unfortunately it turns out that it's an episode of Dark Bunny that has a crossover with Mary Moo Cow of all people, who is helping Dark Bunny be less bad. So it would be it's yeah. It's, imagine if if Batman the animated series had a crossover with Barney. It's like literally exactly what that would be. Um, a little bit unprecedented for sure. So they go to the sugar bowl. Arthur hands her uh, a um, a gingerbread man and she starts to eat him and she starts to get scared because it just she feels like it's alive in her stomach. And Arthur's just continuously <laughs> just like it's a cookie, D.W. It's not actually alive, but no convincing her. And she she ends up burping, which for me, sometimes I find that a burp does cancel out a hiccup, but it does not do it this time. Um, I, I just want to take the uh, take the time to say that I, I, I it took me a while to kind of grow on this uh, DW this current DW voice actor. Yes. Um, but I actually really like this DW voice, especially for this episode, which is really kind of DW uh, being classic kind of D- childish DW, right? Like she's being childish in a very realistic way. Um, mm. And I think this voice sounds fittingly young. I think one of my biggest problem with past DW voices is when it too, sounds uh, too much like the same age of Arthur because they tend to give Arthur a really young sounding voice as well. Yes. Um, but I really like kind of this vocal performance from DW. I actually agree. I was thinking the same thing. There are a lot of uh, moments in this episode where DW convincingly sounds like a little girl. So props to the voice actor for that. Um, Eventually, she does give up her prized unicorn to the Tibbles and, you know, is very strict about like, as soon as I get my as soon as my hiccups are gone, like, don't you do anything to her because I'm coming right back. And it's kind of like. It's a different sort of fear than like, you know, when you the type of fear that's supposed to get rid of the hiccups is like, you know, going boo and being surprised. This is like well, yeah. a kind of, this is like a, an existential fear. This is like a dread that DW instills within herself at like, what could they possibly be doing? The horrors they're visiting upon uni. 
Well, I think they're thinking about the theory a little bit too literally. I'm to believe, and, and Brain explains this a little bit at the start of the episode, the thing about getting scared that gets rid of your hiccups is that your breathing resets because you get hiccups from your diaphragm being inverted, right? So you're, mm. you're kind of breathing in your breaths the wrong way because your diaphragm's like pressing against a way it's not supposed to. Um, and and the way you get that, you know, you, you stop that, all these different hiccup methods are intended to reset your breathing. And so being scared, the thing that resets your breathing is the big gap that you make when you go <gasps> like it's, it's it's the being startled it's not the the concept of fear itself uh, mm. that is getting rid of the hiccups um, so yeah none of these kind of methods with maybe the exception of the octopus had she been a little bit more uh, surprised by it but as even Arthur says it's not going to work if she knows the octopus is coming um, none of these methods are really ones that will trigger that type of fear um, and so they wouldn't get rid of her hiccups in real life um, what I love about this scene by the way is uh the ticket i don't think the tibbles say a single word they're kind of just like they have no idea what's going on or why dw is giving this stuff to them that's interesting i actually didn't know that stuff about the hiccups hey you learned something from listening to elwood city limits they actually do happen upon brain like it seems that this kind of fear did chase away dw's hiccups but then they just come right back um brain runs into them and he talks about you know the world record holder for the person uh, who had the hiccups for the longest amount of time. Andy W imagines that she will be the one to set the world record for hiccups. And we get a flash forward, a potential flash forward where we see old DW who has had the hiccups for 69 years. So she would be 73 years old. And she's in in this giant stadium in front of this podium as they are counting down, you know, the seconds where she will become the world record holder. And unfortunately, she runs out of the hiccups right before it hits the time. So she's not even the world record holder. So she had hiccups for this long and has nothing to show for it. The old DW is literally just it's just her character model, but they colored the brown hair white and they gave her like a few extra wrinkles around the eyes. Same height, though. Yeah. So she's already, you know, grown to adult height and shrunken back down, as will hopefully will as will happen for many of us. Uh, Just kind of a depressing little aside there. uh, Look into a potential future. So it seems that nothing will work and DW's hiccups will be with her for the rest of time. In fact, she decides to ditch any costume ideas she had. She's going to go to as hiccup girl because she might as well get start, get started, get used to being referred to that. Now, uh, we see everybody's costumes as they get ready to go out trick-or-treating. Mom's dressed as a witch and dad's dressed as a sandwich. Uh, oh, witch and a sandwich. Hey, there you go. That's funny. Uh, maybe a potential reference to the uh, the old Buster episode with the sandwich. Um, so Arthur has his, his uh, Frankentist costume and the lights accidentally go out because mom like un- accidentally unplugs a lamp and Arthur's coming down the stairs he has his glasses off and he has a scalpel in his hand or like a you know like a, a dentist a piece of dentist equipment and as he's kind of coming towards DW full costume it really scares her and she screams and in fact she gets mad at Arthur when she realizes that it's him and just like I'm not talking to you anymore because you scared me uh but it but it does the trick and it gets rid of her hiccups and this is uh leads in directly into the end of the episode where arthur's so proud that his costume was scary he tries to scare a bunch of trick-or-treaters they just laugh at him and then uh oh arthur's got the hiccups now 
Now so, that's now that's as someone who gets the hiccups. Now that's truly terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ends up there, and we are going to talk about the second half of this episode, as well as our thoughts on the episode as a whole, when we come back after this. Hey everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast, and if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You could go to facebook.com slash elwoodcitylimits, at ECL podcast, that's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr. It's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new uh, bi-weekly PBS Kids Review Show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review, you can check out patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. Uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post in from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. Something that I have never, ever been uh, accused of being is the name of this episode, Mr. Always Right. And the cold open is built around the idea of isn't it annoying when someone is always right? And we see a bunch of Arthur characters in various situations where they are generally seem to be always right. Francine is always right about sports. Binky's always right about music. Buster's always right about food. But the brain seems to be right about practically everything. I just want to say the bit, the the way they display Binky being right about music. Big surprise, a Binky moment's great, but uh, Binky's like conducting the school band, um, and and even in this, this is like the only moment we get of Binky in this whole episode. But in this fleeting moment, he does so much with so little. Like the way he delivers the line with some enthusiasm, uh, it's just like oh, Binky's so great. It was fun to see him in the band leader costume. It's not a role that he's necessarily played before, but it makes total sense. Um. Yeah, Buster like eats like eats a chocolate bar and is able to determine from how like poor it is that it was like left there for two two weeks or two months or something. It's way he past. He says last it's, December. Last so December. It's, it's, it's yeah. left up to the audience imagination. It does not look like there's snow on the ground. Um, it, it it seems to be like spring or summer, um, or at the worst fall in in this episode. So, um, it could have been uh up to a year or more. Uh, since that chocolate bar has been left out. As Arthur is doing the cold open, Brain corrects him uh, from his from home base as he uh, used, uh, uh, I think it was like, he used two words interchangeably in a sentence and one kind of cancels out the other essentially and it could have been formatted better and ends up losing uh, two two balls there 
because uh, he was busy correcting Arthur. And Brain is the Mr. Always Right. There's a point where Arthur looks at the camera and just goes, annoying, isn't it? And I like that that's the show admitting that Brain is annoying. Yeah, it's true. I was like, finally the show agrees with us about the Brain. The fact that he's like getting on Arthur's case for uh, being making a sentence reduct- redundant, that's the problem, right? He, sa- he, he says always and ever, I think, in the same sentence. And, and the Brain's like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be redundant. And, and uh, Arthur's like, oh, well, that's based on what? And then the Brain cites... Uh, some sort of um, style guide or something. Um, someone needs to tell the brain to read Noam Chomsky and that language is is descriptive and not prescriptive. And so actually, if he understood what Arthur was saying, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how he said it, but whatever. As smart as he is, he only has the brain of a nine-year-old. So <laughs> he has still has a lot of improvement to do and he needs to get his head around abstract concepts a little bit better. Mm. So we need to give him the room to be able to do that. Um, we start off at the Brains Mom's ice cream shop. Arthur gets mint chip and Buster gets, and I wrote this down, the double-dipped mocha lotion banana banana berry blast with extra jimmies and hold the cherry, a.k.a. the number five. Now, Will, and I'm glad you wrote all this down, um, because usually, uh, thus far in the series, whenever our Buster gets something from Brain's parents' ice cream shop, um, they always kind of make a joke of, of trying to make it sound gross, right? Like, we've had fish heads, there's been all sorts of crazy stuff, and usually you ask me if I would eat it, and, and sometimes there's ones that are, like, actually pretty foul, and sometimes there's ones where on the edge where it's, like, a bit of a mix of sweet and savory, and I'm like, hey, I'll try anything once. Yeah. This one seems to be all sweet stuff, mm-hmm. so I have to ask, Will, would you try the number five? Well, I I, I I actually wasn't planning on asking you because I felt like that for you, this is pretty much a layup because, yeah. like you said, it's, it's very fruit based. And I think that you are a bit more open to this sort of stuff than I am, fruit, especially fruit with a little mocha. You know, it's yeah, like a, yeah, nothing's better than coffee with a little hint of blueberry. Ooh, that's what kind of throws me off. I'm not much of a coffee person, but given the way it looks. Yeah, sure. I would give that a try, especially considering that later on, like Buster orders a huge ice cream, like akin to this one, and he pays like three dollars and seventy five cents for it. If that ice cream is under five, sure, I'll give it a try. I, I, I wrote that down as well when he orders this huge ice cream. I don't think it's the number five. It's a different thing. It is. But yeah, it, it, it's it's like an ice cream with a ton of toppings for three dollars and seventy five cents. A Sunday, no less, with a ton of toppings. It's three seventy five. I remember when all those frozen yogurt places that are now closed, like back in four years ago or whatever we're all open in the city um and they would their whole gimmick was you could put all these topics on it but it was like a racket it, you'd be paying 12 to 16 dollars for a single kind of small size frozen yogurt because they were charging per topping and they were charging based on weight um that's how they get so, you man exactly so so brains ice cream shop if it was real oh my goodness uh, I don't know. I'd have to take a look at their margins because something's not right if they're able to sell sell those ice creams for three seventy five. Um, but yeah, the other question I had, not to stay on the ice cream for too long, but I, I from the the visual when when uh, Buster is describing the ice cream, I'm to believe that jibbies are sprinkles, but I've actually I'm not familiar with that term for sprinkles before is is that what jimmies are are you familiar with jimmies will i'm familiar with jimmies yes i'm to understand that that is i think i don't want to say it's american necessarily but it is it's a choice that you can call your sprinkles i think there's i think there's a couple different things you can call sprinkles on a um 
on ice cream or on, you know, dessert in general. And Jimmy's is one of them. It's not something that I prescribe to, though. I don't see anything wrong with the word sprinkles. But if you call them Jimmy's, like, I understand what that means. It's like, um, I think to me, they're almost like um, how there's, you know, there's different pronunciations with all kinds of things, even though it makes sense. Well, I'm thinking more along the lines of like some people call them jujubes as I grew up calling them. Other people call them jujubes, which doesn't make sense to me, but it's apparently acceptable. And then there's the whole thing of like Reese's versus Reese's. But, you know, so I don't want to get too hung up on the pronunciation because we all we all kind of come from different experiences. We all have different things. I do not personally call them Jimmy's, but I got what they were. I got what they were talking about. And then I'm guessing that's something that you are uh, less familiar with then. Yeah, no, I've never heard Jimmy's in my life. Listen, any really? excuse. Never in your yeah, life. no, no, I've never, I've never heard them referred to as Jimmy's. I've just heard sprinkles, sprinkies, sprinkies. Um, yeah, sprinkies. Go sprinkies on your ice cream. Okay, I, 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 I see where it's coming from now, but it's just like, okay, well, I think I might have more of a problem with sprinkies than Jimmy's. <laughs> I, I mean, like sprinkles oh, are already kind of a baby word. You don't have to baby up the baby word. Oh, like Jimmy's so adult. <laughs> I don't know just just like like sprinkies on my ice cream and it's just like I I get it we're in the yeah, age of I'm, like I'm, I'm we're in the age boy. of I'm baby I'm and stuff my, my, my ice cream sundae okay but sprinkies look, on. Lucas I don't mean this to sound judgmental because it's not I can see you saying sprinkies now you know <laughs> like I could see you going into an ice cream store and be like I'm sprinkies please and just like get out <laughs> with, with a big smile on my face yeah too. you yeah, know exactly just, what just, you're I'm saying i'm so proud of myself i know it could be called jimmies or sprinkles but i'm gonna say sprinkies because i want to make the person making my ice cream uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> i decided to give them a hard time i'm wearing like a sailor suit even though i'm an adult yeah you big between, the two, b- between the two of us you would like if either of us was going to it would be you i'm not saying you would but if between the two of us yeah okay so yeah See, Jimmy's- it's rhetoric like that will that got you caught out of the 10 people coming to the birthday no i'm just oh. joking <laughs> oh man it was worth it so the a lot of the story revolves around the fact that it's speaking of lucas mancini day it's going to be baxter day soon because it's bitsy's birthday uh buster's mom's birthday is coming up and he wants to buy her a hat he bought her this really kind of rinky dink straw hat that he's showing to arthur it's so bad that it makes a baby cry near them and so he wants he wants arthur's help in finding in exchanging the hat and finding one his mom will like, but Arthur is busy. So instead he goes with Brain to where he got the hat. And um, Brain eventually, like, he is being very much, very critical of Buster's choices, which to be fair are not very good. It's He's an eight-year-old boy. He's not exactly going to have the best fashion sense or ideas of what his mother would like. But Brain seems to know more about Bitsy than I f- would have figured because eventually he's brain settles on this hat that looks like a Robin hood hat. And he says it matches her eyes. And Buster's like, my mother's eyes aren't green. And brain's like, yes, they are. And, and eventually Buster has to be like, Oh yeah, they are. Uh, so Buster's choice is like this very tacky. Um, can I say Rasta hat? Yeah, I think I think Rasta hat is is appropriate. A very like, I mean, the episode itself plays reggae music when he holds it up. There's like a little reggae sting that plays. Yes. Um, but yeah, that type of hat, that type of like, um, the kind of hat that you would see on one of those caricature bananas that you would win from like a county <laughs> fair. Sure. <laughs> and all kinds of other 
tasteless uh, 90s ephemera Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um also important in the hat store they find this like blue beret that looks nice except there's a hole in it and buster believes that it's probably a piece of jewelry that fell off but brain dismisses it as being a moth hole so we will actually come back to that um so uh, instead of going with Brain's idea, Buster goes with his and buys his mom the Rasta hat. And his mom, bless her, is very um, cordial when receiving it. But you can tell that it's just like she's not exactly thrilled to get it. And it, immediately she's like, you know what? Let's put this back in the box so it doesn't get dirty. No, and yes. Then- uh, uh, Buster's hat choice is not Irie. Sure, you know, it's 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 not going to be Irie, you know. It's it's not. Uh, uh, jaw does not smile upon oh, Buster's okay. hat choice. Okay, between Sprinkies and this, you're you're a you're on thin ice, pal. Uh, the, uh, Buster's mom was not saying big ups when she heard of it, when she saw that hat. That's for that's to be certain. What whatever you say, pal. Um, <laughs> Buster um, is actually very frustrated about this because he noted, like, he of course notices that his mom hasn't worn it for like a week or something, and then is is upset that Brain uh, had the better idea than him about his own mother. And this is where he's. I don't. They don't coin the term Mister Always Right, but Buster is like he's always right about everything. Just once, I want to see him be wrong about something. So Buster takes it upon himself to try and make Brain. Uh, get something incorrect so the first thing we see is we go back to the ice cream shop and he gives brain a very complicated order and i had to rewind this like five times but i did get it down buster orders a scoop of mellow mint a scoop mm-hmm. of fudge fiesta mm-hmm. pretzel smooshins coconut sprinkles hot fudge whipped cream four cherries and a teaspoon of rainbow jimmies and he's in a hurry and that all comes to $3.75, which I was completely beside myself about. I'm just it, like, man, like, like we already kind of talked about it a bit because a lot of these ice cream places can really hose you for the uh, for the toppings. But this is completely uh, reasonable. I know. It's like, what does a regular Sunday with no toppings cost? Like 75 cents? Uh, well, and, and of course, we, we don't know because Bitsy gets that later and it's on the house. So <laughs> I don't maybe, know. Yeah, maybe the ice cream is literally free, and it's and it's all just topping sur- sur- surcharges. Like, oh, it's a it's a wonderful it's a wonderful so- socialist ice cream utopia <laughs> where the ice yeah. cream is free. You just have to pay for the toppings. Yeah, I go to my a government ice cream store. I gotta wait in my ice cream line. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but, uh, brain um puts not only does he put together this order perfectly. Um, yes. He also like plates it. Like I have the freeze frame of this ice cream concoction, and like the the cookies or whatever this middle section is that is holding up. There's like he's made a tower, um, and and the yeah. pretzels are perfectly arranged. Like this is quite a feat uh, to put this together in a matter of seconds. Yeah, it's it's like it's like a full blown like architecture that he that he's managed to put together. It's really impressive. But we're not just uh, rating the plating. Will would you eat this ice cream? Yes, I, I think I think so. Okay, only, interesting. I thought the, the, o- the pretzels would trip you up. No, um, I think well, I wouldn't person like I wouldn't personally order this. But if somebody ordered this for me, I would eat it. The only mm-hmm. thing that I'm not crazy about, I wouldn't want that many cherries. Although if they're maraschinos, it's probably fine. And uh, mellow mint, eh, probably not my favorite flavor of anything. If it's like fruity or minty flavor, uh, coconut sprinkles could also be a little bit of a. 
uh of a no-no for me but otherwise i i i would take the plunge sure we this is this is like the most normal that brains mom's ice cream has been so i really want to you know give them give them the leeway to be a bit more normy for my normy taste buds buster does a few drive-by questions of brain in the library just asking him about various slavic capitals and brain gets them all exactly correct uh, so he's, you know, is really unable to trip him up. He even calls brain on the phone at bedtime and tries to pretend like he's, uh, like giving away a prize and asks them the square root of a really complicated number, which brain also knows Buster even has a dream that night that this vendetta, this one sided vendetta with brain will follow them into the retirement home that they are both in. And we get to see, uh, some, a bit of a new design. For old brain and old buster. Now we've seen old brain before uh, on the Professor Brain Network a few so many seasons ago, but old Buster's a bit of a new one, especially considering Buster's taller than Brain as an old man. Yeah, he must have got a growth spurt or something, um, or maybe his bones degenerated a little bit less than Brain's, considering they're elderly at this point. Um, this was no surprises here. My favorite part of the whole episode. Okay. Uh, because, well, first and foremost, it's just funny. The situation's funny. So, uh, Buster is continuing to pester brain, you know, all these years later, he's getting mad at him because he predicted the weather wrong. He said it was going to rain that day and, and brain is arguing, well, that's my opinion. It wasn't actually based on any sort of scientific fact. Uh, and then, uh, Buster's all excited to tell him his opinion's wrong. Um, and then it starts raining. And so this by itself is pretty funny, but then we get this like Broadway, like showbiz old Hollywood kick line. Um, and like a little musical number as like Buster's walking away dejected. And this is not where I saw this imagination sequence going in the slightest. And so I I really got a kick out of this. Uh, No pun intended. And that's where we got Mr. Always right. Because the song they're singing is Mr. Always right. Uh, celebrating how, how brain knows everything. I also thought that there was a couple of lines where Buster's like, it's old Buster yelling at brain. He sounded a little Scottish. I I don't have the line reading there, but he's just like, like, I'm going to get you. And, and like, he just sounded a little bit Scottish. I don't know why, but uh, Buster's getting ready to ask brain some more questions and eventually brain just blows up at him of just like stop pestering me about this um so buster has to uh, admit defeat and say that he won't bother him anymore and unfortunately as he you know he's like you're mr always right and i'm always wrong so that's kind of what's at the heart of this is buster's feeling insecure about his intelligence compared to brains so later on in class brain gets a question wrong on purpose it's like who you know this man named eiffel invented what and brain says the pyramids it's a really easy one and even and everybody is shocked that the brain got something wrong even mr ratburn they're like they're like shaken mr ratburn's like are you feeling all right alan uh but he did this to kind of help buster feel better and initially buster does but then he meets him at the locker later and says i know that you got that wrong on purpose so i'm glad buster isn't that foolish um and they decide to kind of put their put their differences aside buster actually kind of admits that the problem is that he feels bad that brain kind of knew better about his mother and i think that that was actually very introspective of him i appreciated that buster had the ability to see that in himself and they decide to 
uh, go and get a hat at the Care to Wear Clothing Exchange. They get this tip from Muffy, who has this new kind of beret sort of hat that they think Buster's mom would like. So they go to the clothing exchange. It's called Care to Wear. And this is where they find the beret that Muffy had. And it has like a ladybug pin in it. And they find a whole bunch of them in a in a bin And it's the same hat that had a hole in it from the original hat store. And it turns out that Brain was actually wrong. It is not a moth hole. It's a hole where the ladybug brooch is supposed to go. And it turns out Brain was wrong and Buster was right in this specific sense. But that wasn't what had my attention. What had my attention was the owner of the (laughs) care to wear clothing exchange. Me too. Uh, eh, eh, eh. It's time for the throwaway character of the week. We have the consignment store owner. I want to see more from this guy. Yeah, this, who is this man? (laughs) This is like, what a character design on somebody. And he also has like a very notable voice. Like yeah, he's true. It's not just like usually with a side character like this, it's like, oh, it's Bruce Dinsmore doing the uh, Arthur's dad voice. <laughs> yeah. kind of. Like this. This is not the case. This is like someone we've never seen before. And I was like, second guessing myself. I was like, is this a character that's already been established that we're referencing again? But no, this is the debut. We don't even do we have a name for him? I don't think so. I mean, I'd have to check the Arthur wiki. They could potentially be somebody that we haven't named yet, but he's he's dressed like, you know, like he's in a Mickey Mouse cartoon from the 1950s. It's like, wow, I couldn't believe that let's, this guy was fit. just a throwaway let's, character. Let's rate the fit. So we got the brown slacks. Classic, classic. We got the these the the really the statement piece of the outfit is these kind of plaid um yeah sorry the black brown shoes rather uh then we get the plaid slacks um kind of looking like some sort of corduroy material perhaps maybe i'm not sure what they're made out of uh some kind of like ralph Lauren inspired plaid pant we get the white turtleneck classic piece i have it myself he's wearing some sort of tan blazer uh, or smoking jacket if you will or hunting jacket if you will um and then he's got a bowler hat um, which probably that's where the outfit kind of falls apart for me. I don't think I'd be caught wearing a bowler hat, but this guy makes it work. Um, and then he's got the classic round uh, Arthur glasses. So, Lucas, I, I did do a little bit of clandestine research on the Arthur wiki, and it turns out this is a character who we are seeing for the first time here, and we'll see him three more times after this. His name is Buzz Vallette. Buzz Vallette. Interesting. Well, Sounds like for a, this week... Like- uh, I wouldn't have known that otherwise. So for this week, he is still officially throwaway character of the week this week. Um, but I look forward to now. I'm excited to see him again. I don't see how he couldn't be. I think we're going to see him pretty soon as well. So we won't have to wait too long for Buzz Vallette's next appearance. So Buster gets to be uh, be right about something and brain wrong. So that's kind of solved. The end of the episode is uh, Bitsy and Buster at Brain's mom's ice cream shop. And Bitsy gets a basic Sunday kind of on the house. And Buster gets the number five. But then says, uh, Brain, I ordered the number three. But it actually turns out that Buster was just testing him. And yes, Brain is still, according to Buster, Mr. Always Right. Maybe they're able to run the ice cream shop at such a loss, you know, by p- 
charging uh, three seventy five for uh, an, a Sunday with all the fix-ins and giving away free ice creams left and right because they don't actually pay any employees and they're getting their eight year old child to solo manage the ice cream shop. Mm-hmm. Could be. I mean, you never know, man. This could be. This could just be a lark for them. I or like just mm-hmm. one of one of the parents. Uh, things it could it's the brain's mom's ice cream shop and their dad could be like independently wealthy like playing the front or something you know maybe the the brain's brain's dad is doing something on the down low that's a little bit suspicious and you know they're funneling the money through the ice cream shop i want to know more about this uh, I want to know. The, I want to see the business model for this crazy ice cream place because right now the numbers are not adding up well i do too and now that you mentioned that uh that uh, that there could be something uh, clandestine going down, something not exactly on the level. Well, now I now I have to know more, and hopefully, hopefully we will. I imagine we won't. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's go back to the Halloween episode, a little bit out of season, but Hick or Treat. What do you think of this one? This DW focused episode. I thought Hick or Treat was kind of lame. Um, okay. I, I, I for some reason I, I it's not like it's bad or anything, but I. You pointed out, and and I thought I sensed this that this seemed a little rote, seemed a little been there, done that. That we've we've seen kind of DW struggling with the hiccups before, um, and the episode, like every aspect of the episode, there's not really a moral to it at all. Um, it's simply DW has the hiccups, and then she kind of gets rid of the hiccups. And the thing that gets rid of her hiccups doesn't really have to do with any sort of setup or anything. It's kind of a deus ex machina of, oh, Arthur looked scarier without his glasses and with the lights off. So to me, the episode just kind of felt like a waste of time. Um, I for In the start, I thought it was going to be this kind of uh, ensemble episode where we see everyone's costumes and we do see everyone's costumes in the end. But that's such a small part of the episode. Um, DW doesn't really learn or grow as a result of facing all these various fears. She just kind of tries all these things to get rid of the hiccups and none of them work. And then, well, the episode wraps up in the end. So I just felt that there wasn't really some, any sort of narrative rising action or conclusion to this episode. So it's it's not bad like there's no parts of this episode that had me like shaking my head like oh this is super bad and it's not even that boring like it's it's there's some interesting art in it with all the different costumes um like we said before good dw vocal performance but i just thought it was under the level of quality i've come to expect from arthur episodes even the the dw ones i think i i'm a little bit kinder to it than you are um i do have to dock it for as we mentioned kind of being something that we've done before and you know we try to be a little bit uh respectful of the fact that like this for as long running a show as arthur is we're bound to run into episodes that are kind of reminiscent of other ones this is like we literally did the same thing and like the and like we found a solution for it in the episode we introduced dw having the hiccups in so it's just like i really am not like hooked into this whole thing but i thought that it was fun enough in how they went about going for different ways of scaring her i thought there was like a little bit of creativity there i liked seeing the kids halloween costumes and um yeah i will admit that the the ending solution comes a little bit out of nowhere but it was actually a little bit strange like there's a there's a shot where arthur is like advancing towards dw without his glasses and with this like the scalpel or whatever it is and it is a little 
creepy. So I kind of understand it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I have no ill will towards it. I thought it was okay and, you know, fun enough, but certainly not anything to write home about. Um, Mr. Always Right, I kind of am also a little bit like it was pretty good. Like it wasn't any any great shakes or anything. I think I always appreciate when they are able to be a little genuine. They have these kind of moments of genuineness. And it was nice to have a character. I mean, and I and I think that this is true for any like television show or what have you. I always appreciate when a character can be straight up about like where an insecurity uh, comes from. I appreciate that Buster in the end was able to be like, well, it's because I wanted to, I thought I should know my mom better than anybody, but you actually knew better because I can relate to that. I can relate to the way Buster is feeling in this episode. I have friends who like for a long time, like I'm very uh, insecure about my intelligence. And so, especially when it comes to my memory, I have a lot of my friends who have very good memories. And so sometimes I'll just be like, you remember everything. And I think for them, who those people that have such good memories, it kind of, it's just comes naturally to them. It's not something they can control. I have a bad memory and it really messes with me sometimes. And as well as my own intelligence compared to other people's, that's just been something I've been dealing with for practically as long as I've been alive. So I got where Buster was coming from here. Um, I liked some of the bits in this episode. I liked the ice cream stuff. Um, but yeah, it certainly wasn't treated terribly seriously or anything like that. It wasn't like an issue type of episode. It was just kind of meant to be a bit cutesy. And I do like the show kind of hanging a lampshade on the fact that the brain can be pretty annoying sometimes, but it was ultimately pretty kind to him. So I would say, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty good. Again, it's not going to change your life or anything, but there were parts of it that I really appreciated how it was approached. I pretty much agree. I definitely liked Mr. Always Right more than Hicker Treat. Um, I thought Mr. Always Right is pretty entertaining. I have a fondness for Buster episodes, especially, uh, you know, like you said, I think it dealt well with Buster kind of uh, admitting to this insecurity of, of being both being sick of brain, being always right about everything, but also kind of especially being disappointed that he knew his mom less. Um, but also, I think, yeah, it was just nice to hear the show say what I've been thinking for a very long time, which is that brain is inherently annoying and the way he carries himself <laughs> is annoying. And if you knew someone like that, you would be so sick of them. Um, even in the opening, I was like, they picked the perfect one to uh, be the example of this in the opening. So I was like shaking my head at brain being like, well, it's a double negative. And I'm like, well, actually, Actually, you know, you're thinking about this all wrong um, at the end of the day. But um, I also agree that it, it, it doesn't quite go as far with it as as I would have liked it to. Uh, but I understand why it wasn't just kind of a, a brain roast sesh the whole time. But I liked the conclusion. I liked how, you know, in the end, Buster was right. And it wasn't even about something like his mom. It was about something that um, there was just as much chance that Brain could have been right about it. But in this case, Buster just had the the right guess that Brain didn't. Um, and, and sort of Brain had to come to terms with that. And, and Buster came to terms with that. And um, I liked a lot of the kind of running motifs through this episode with the uh, I liked seeing all the ice creams. I liked the hat shop stuff. Um, and Buster, like, trying to get all these different hats for his mom. It's a weird idea for a present, and I thought that kind of stuff was fun. Um, but yeah, not a super standout episode. Not one of these episodes where I think it's going to make it on my top five list of the of the season. Um, but uh, an entertaining episode, no less. 
Yeah, they can all be blowaways, and some some weeks are a bit more of a push than others, but I still have fun talking about them with you, and there are definitely some funny parts here and there as well. So thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode of Elwood City Limits. Now, of course, if you are an Elwood City Limits patron, then you will be hearing from us next week. We have another episode of For the Kids coming up. And geez, it seems that the next few weeks are going to be Lucas's choices coming back to haunt me. Because if it's not Monster Hunter, then it's because we're talking about J.J. the Jet Plane. All aboard, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and in, in, in a year, in a, in in a 365-day period where even stepping on the plane uh, can be cause for nervousness and anxiety, we're going to be uh, putting a CGI face on that plane <laughs> and having him talk like a baby. So... <laughs> Yeah, JJ the jet maybe, plane. Maybe flag wouldn't be so scary if my plane had dimples. <laughs> so we'll be we'll be digging further into JJ the jet plane next week on the Patreon and the upcoming episode of For the Kids. <laughs> but we will be back in two weeks with another episode. As season eleven, it's uh, you know there's uh, fewer episodes in front of us than there are behind us. I think I said that right. There's not a whole lot of episodes left, is what I'm trying to say. So. Next time, we are going to be talking about Francine's pilfered paper and Buster gets real. So we'll have to figure out what that's going to be all about. A Francine episode and a Buster episode. There's at least usually something fun happening in each of those. So we'll look forward to that. And of course, uh, by the time you're hearing this episode, don't forget to send happy birthday or happy Lucas Mancini Day uh, wishes to uh, the co-host of this show. Uh, he's turning 20. So uh, we, we will uh, we will be wishing the best for him on this week. Well, thank you, everybody. Oh, it's wait. No, okay, okay. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was giving you a bit of runway in case you had wanted to say anything else, but uh, oh no, it's just a it's a, you know another year. Um, my my late twenties now, Will, and I, I now I know how you feel. Oh, the, the, the old oh, father oh. time is is encroaching, and I, I'm starting to feel a breathe down my neck. Welcome to the jungle, buddy. Pretty soon, yeah. pretty soon that uh, that package of Jimmy's that you're putting on your ice cream is gonna cost you. More yeah. than you think it might. So it's true, enjoy it's true. it. I gotta, I gotta get my skiing in now because soon yes. I'm gonna be throwing out my hip or something. Next time you um, go to the ski slopes, you're gonna have to bring some Tylenol for your joints. <laughs> Buy a magic bag. <laughs> anyway, thanks everybody for joining us for this episode of Elwood City Limits. We love hearing from you and we really appreciate your listenership. My name is Will Young and for Lucas Mancini, the birthday boy himself, the 14th century, don't you get it? No hygiene, no movable type, no science. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>